Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about the greatest Bachelor Nation adjacent couple hard launch of all time. That's right. We are, of course, talking about Becca Tilly and Haley Kiyoko. We both spent all weekend watching videos of them and quietly weeping by ourselves. Um, And we'll also be, you know, talking about a handful of men who have really continued to solidify themselves as our mortal enemies on both the courtship and Temptation Island. Yeah, yeah. Things are getting pretty dark on the island and in the Regency era. Later this episode, we will be joined by best-selling author and friend of the pod, Jessica Goodman, whose new book, The Counselors, comes out May 31st. We've both read it. It's super fun. And we're really excited to recap Temptation Island with her. But first, we're going to be talking gossip. So let's get into the only thing I want to talk about ever, basically. I'm squealing with delight. So basically, (laughs) Becca Tilly, who was a the runner-up on Crystal's season of The Bachelor, and then arrived late on Ben Higgins' season to date Ben and made it to Just Before Hometowns. She's like a big figure in Bachelor Nation, although she hasn't been quite as active as the years have gone on in that specific sub-community. She had been in a relationship for four years. She had talked about it on her podcast without ever using the name or pronouns of her partner— She called her partner 95P, which was a reference to the fact that she said she was 95% sure that she was going to be with that person forever. So very cute. And there was some, some question for a long time about who she was dating. And then last week, there was some buzz leading up to Haley Kiyoko's new single dropping and the video, which was going to be bachelor themed in some way some sort of 
queer bachelor video. Um, and that dropped, I think, on Thursday night. And it was the video for a song called For the Girls and features Haley as the bachelorette dating a bunch of women. So it's sort of like humorous, like parody video. But the last scene is of a final mystery girl stepping out of the limo. And it's Becca. And they exchange the seductive look. glances. And it's clear that, like, she's the final pick. And people are like, okay, well, I guess this is them probably announcing their relationship. And then soon after, uh, Becca did post a very much a hard launch in, in a reel on Instagram, just a very beautiful mashup of four years of their relationship. And it is the cutest video I've ever seen. They also were being very affectionate with each other, um, which we got some footage of thanks to Zachary Reality, who was at the For the Girls release party. And Haley pulled Becca up on stage and gave her a rose and they kissed. And it's just like, it's the cutest thing. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah, it was really cute. They definitely have that sort of... um vibe together like that couples who've been together for a long time have you know often when we get like a hard launch for a new bachelor nation couple they like just started dating but they're very just like yeah like we kiss all the time like we're just four years into our perfect relationship um sort of comfort with each other and it was so beautiful and um I have the song from Becca's Reel stuck in my head, like, hardcore, because I've been listening to <laughs> watching it so much. All um, weekend. All weekend. So cute. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people in Bachelor Nation knew, because publicly, Becca and Haley have not been, you know, talking about the relationship, but they have been, like, attending events together. Their friends know that they've they've been together. And so, you know, a lot of Bachelor Nation was, you know dropping into the comments to to talk about how excited they were that they could finally be public. And it was just a very, like, beautiful moment. And Becca ended up posting also an Instagram story, just being like, the reaction has been really overwhelming and beautiful. And, like, thanking Haley for sort of showing her how to be herself and, like, what love is. And then I cried and again. how to be brave. And how to be brave. And I cried more. I'm crying a little bit now. It yeah. was very nice. It was very it beautiful. Was, there really is something so cool about seeing, oh my God, I'm crying <laughs> too because I'm watching you cry. Um, Sorry. Seeing a relationship go public that has such a clearly strong foundation and so much love and support behind it. And it's just, it's beautiful. And I think it is a really cool thing that they were like, I don't think that this is something that Becca was by any means keeping a secret, but I'm glad that she was given the space by the people around her and by, you know, the media to, to kind of make, bring the general public's feedback into her relationship at a time that felt right to her and Haley. And I just, it's really, it is really cool to see. I saw that um, Becca's podcast co-host, Tanya, also was posting some videos from the For the Girls release party. And she was like zooming in on Becca, videoing Haley, giving a speech and was just writing like the most supportive. And it was, just, it was exactly what you said, Claire. Like just one of those things. You're like, this is, these are people that have been together for a long time, that have a life together, that have a dog together 
that have a, built a community around themselves. And it's beautiful. And it's also really cool to see all of these prominent people in Bachelor Nation really rallying around them. Um, we know, obviously, that Bachelor world is extremely, extremely straight. Mm-hmm. And so I think just to have someone like Becca, who was like really beloved and also interestingly, like because of the background she came from, she was like very famously a virgin on the show. I think she is someone that a lot of the more conservative segment of the audience really connected to. And so there is something especially kind of awesome about seeing her be able to openly embrace her queerness and you know we always support bachelor nation getting yeah. queer at at any moment in time i also have to say that the season that uh haley depicts in her video looks super fun and uh dramatic and could be a little hint, waiting a little hint to production i do want to see them give it a shot um but I also love that they were able to, like, use this. Like, at they, like, had all this time these years. And they were like, we're not just going to do an Instagram post. We are literally going to, like, use this to, like, fuel Haley's new single as well. Yeah. And, like, make the exactly. most of this moment. Good for them. I loved it. And I, I suspect that um, their teams were the ones to sort of leak the preview, like, the blind about this to Dumois. Like, it really seemed like a sort of a wonderfully calculated promotional strategy. And I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, get the buzz going. Get the buzz going, like, on your terms. That is cool. It was really funny, actually, being in the comments, the YouTube comments of the video, because it's, like, half Hailey Kiyoko just fans who are like, who's that girl at the end? Like, what's going on? And half, like, Bachelor fans being like, Becca, I'm so happy to see you happy finally. (laughs) Like, you know, like, two completely... Like, if you're in the Bachelor subculture, it's like everyone knows who Becca is. But if you're not, you know, you maybe don't know who she is at all. So to see these worlds, like, colliding, um, beautiful. I also love that Haley is, like, a self-described card-carrying member of Bachelor Nation. You never know who it'll be, honestly. Also, Haley posted a cute photo taken the first night they met at one of her release parties for an album uh, four years ago, obviously. Um... And they look really cozy. They do not look like they just met five minutes ago. Clearly, there is an instant rapport. But she's like, Becca's shirt said, no time for romance. Guess she found the time. I love it so So cute. And their little candid photos are so cute. They just both look so fucking happy. Yeah. Like, how can you not just be... How can your heart not just melt watching that? It's funny. It makes me think back of how, like, Katie and John released their own, like, sort of content package around their announcement. And, like, that is just such a Bachelor Nation thing now. That's, like, we have to create our our own little, like, movie or TV show around our romance. And, like, it can really work or it can not necessarily work, but, like, it is a thing now for sure. And I get it. Yeah. That's their job. It's kind of like... if people are going to be consuming your life, specifically your romantic life, I do not blame really anyone in the franchise for trying to take some ownership over that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't always uh, get this much pleasure out of it as I did from no, this one. No, but, but that look, you know, <laughs> they can do what they do and we're allowed to, yeah, we're to allowed. enjoy it or not, you know? This it's, I really enjoy. I truly was like, I wish that this real um, was a rom-com 
because it's too short. I would like it to be an hour yeah, and a half long. Who is optioning the life rights here <laughs> to turn this into a rom-com? I would watch the shit out of this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I truly would. Also, I just saw this perfect tweet that I wanted to read from at the Sarah Gorman. And she tweeted, Chriselle and Beccatilli have really proven that being part of an aggressively heterosexual television program is probably the gayest thing there is. And I just have to agree. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. There's there's something going on there. We're <laughs> going to have to look into it. Um, so that was the big story of the week. And for once, it was a story that brought us a lot of joy. So I just want, I just love that we're starting on a big positive note here. But now let's talk about some family drama. Aaron Rodgers did not attend JoJo and Jordan's wedding. Apparently, the rift between these famous brothers continues. Continues to I'm grow. I'm still unclear as to what, like, we've never gotten a straight answer about what the source of this family feud is, but seems rough. Um, according to Zachary Reality, it seems that Aaron was invited to the wedding, but simply didn't come so you know how sometimes you just don't go to your brother's wedding yeah it seems normal honestly they shouldn't uh, have invited rough. him because he's anti-vax so he would not be invited to any yeah, maybe of it was events. actually just like a public health service for him <laughs> to not attend <laughs> uh jojo and jordan are on their honeymoon right now in greece so hope they're having fun and of course jojo did take the time to comment very sweetly on becca's video of her and Haley. Oh, yeah. Performing best friend duties from abroad. We'd love to see it. I mean, nothing is more important than the big launch. Not no. not your honeymoon, nothing. Um, Kendall Long publicly spoke about how she was, she says, basically misled by production on Bachelor in Paradise last year. Um, as viewers may remember, she seemingly, like, crashed Joe and Serena's proposal um, on the beach um, to sort of give him a final conversation, like releasing him to move on or whatever. It seemed really weird because he didn't seem to have an issue with moving on and was ready to propose. She took a lot of flack for this at the time. Mm -hmm. People were very upset with her. Um, and Joe had even made a few comments publicly being like, that like was inappropriate. She shouldn't have done that. It, it was a rough... A, a rough showing for her. Um, so she recently confirmed, which is frankly what we had heard at the time, that she was kind of manipulated by production into doing this. She was told apparently that Joe was like having a lot of distress related to closure surrounding their relationship and that, you know, it would help him be able to actually move forward with Serena if she showed up and was willing to talk to him. She also says that she was, like, explicitly not told that he would be proposing, and she, like, had no desire to be a part of I think she actually said, like, that I was like, I'm not going to show up Do if this. they're proposing. It, yeah. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. I mean, here's the thing. It just wouldn't make any sense for her to show up under any other circumstances. She didn't try to win him back. Like, why would she want to show up on this day just to be like, well, it's time for you to move on and, like, be in a new relationship now and I wish you the best unless production like yeah, convinced didn't make her any sense. like what what does she get out of it aside from looking like she actually is clinging on to the relationship 
but she wasn't really making a play for it either. Like, it doesn't make sense under any other circumstances. So I do believe Zero. her. Yeah, I 100% believe her. And because who was the winner here? Obviously the show. Yeah. The show got to that last bit of drama. They got some good, like, promos. And they got, you know, to sort of, like, push Joe and Serena into, like, a romantic triumph at the end. Like, no. This this was a shitty thing to do to Kendall. And I absolutely believe that this is how it went And down. I'm sure that that Joe and Serena also would prefer that this had not happened on their proposal yes. day. The show is the only winner here. Um, but fortunately... They're thriving, I guess. And Kendall is now in a new relationship and seems to be doing quite well herself. So Godspeed to to all subjected to producer manipulation on Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, speaking of Bachelor in Paradise, there's some there's some relationships that might be getting seated right now. They haven't started filming yet. But they are very soon. Soon. And uh, Justin Glaze went on clickbait recently and confirmed that he is interested in Sally Carson, the girl who came on Clayton's season and then was like, actually, I just got out of engagement. Please don't give me that rose. Goodbye. Um, They had been seen, like, flirting at Stagecoach. And he was like, yeah, I'd be interested in in her. So, paradise, anyone? (laughs) Yeah, I suspect we will be seeing both of them on the beach. Yeah. Uh, People we will probably not be seeing on the beach include Mikey P from Katie's season, who I think a lot of people thought definitely would be there. But he is reportedly dating Sam Jeffries, the redhead from Clayton season who showed up on night one in a bathtub and then like apparently left, left of her own accord, but was never shown. So she just like, yeah, disappeared. Um, And... Zachary Reality posted a blind item about a guy from Katie's season dating a girl from Clayton's season and saying that they were seen in Hawaii meeting the fam and that they live in the same city. They both live in San Diego. Mikey's sister recently tagged Sam in a video, as some commenters pointed out. And a friend of theirs posted a video, a photo of them together and the blind was thereby confirmed. Like, it's clearly the two of them. Um, I, you know what? I've hardly got to know Sam, but I'm still just very, like, surprised by this. I'm like, what What right do I have to be like, that's not the kind of guy Sam would date? I literally only saw her toasting Clayton from, from a bubble bath. Maybe they're super compatible. Good for them. She's very pretty. I mean, what else so. do we know? Love a redhead. They should get yeah. they should get more. Love a, love a redhead. We don't have enough redhead representation on this show. Um and you know, I'm a little bummed we don't get to see these two mingling in paradise, but like good for them. No, I want them to show up and and get drummed off the beach because that's what paradise <laughs> is all about. It's about Joe. It's about justice. Chasing people off the beach <laughs> and justice. Um, a little more Bachelor in Paradise news. Jesse Palmer will be hosting instead of Wells, who will instead be bartender. Hashtag justice for Wells. I don't want Jesse Palmer on the beach. I don't like, want him anywhere, really... but like definitely <sighs> not on the beach. Come on. This is our opportunity to just establish that we can have a little more fun in Paradise. Like, Wells is the perfect lighthearted host. Yeah. I, I'm... Uh... 
God. Okay, whatever. I Jesse to me still has not arisen personality wise, in my opinion, to the role of host. And maybe my expectations are just too high, but like I don't see him pulling off Beach Jesse in the way that I want. So I'm disappointed, but it was inevitable, least, I think. From the at least t- we'll get some wells for Yeah, for and I relief. think it's been clear that the show wants to just anoint Jesse as the new Chris and stop worrying yeah. about, like, having women or David Spade host the show. It's like, come on. <laughs> like, let's just get a nice, solid former football player in there. It's still the show oh. that we know and hate. Exactly. Speaking of, uh, we finally got our first promo for the new season of The Bachelorette, or shall we say... The Bachelorettes, plural. Mm. And I I am into the vibes. They're really going hard with the fact that Gabby and Rachel are BFFs. They're leaning into the friendship here. They know that's what the people want. They We see them rolling up in a red convertible and the license plate says BFFs. <laughs> and it's set to Lizzo. And... There's a little Meat Girls reference yeah. in there. I wonder if any of their other BFFs from the show are like, Rude. I feel replaced right now. By, I don't by know. The they sh- both posted it, and the other women seem extremely, no. extremely supportive. You just- Gabby also <laughs> is iconic and posted hers. I have to pull up the caption because it made me laugh. She posted the promo and just wrote, I am, in fact, in love with three women. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay when you're it's okay when you're Gabby. I think that like the it was an interesting choice to basically have them do a little comedy sketch. Rachel says, "Get in, loser. We're going shopping." And Gabby says, "For a husband." Yeah, they're <laughs> listen, they're very charming. They're not actresses per se, but they do what they need to do to get through this scene. We all love a Mean Girls reference. And they're wearing they're wearing coordinated rose-printed white dresses, which was like a bold choice as well. So a lot going on in this promo. Very excited for, for more from this season. I'm ready. You know what? I feel like the, the anticipation has really been building and like people are like frothing at the mouth for this season. And we're going to so get well it done. in several months. <laughs> in several months. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the courtship. Can you keep up? I like love it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe. And it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. 
For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for 3 weeks and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back to talk about episode 10 of The Courtship. This episode is entitled Carousel of Events. And there are events. There are events and there is a carousel. And there is a carousel. I've been thinking about this episode title, I'm not exaggerating, all week. Every time I think about it, I'm just like, what What does that mean? Did they just give up? They're like, there's both events and there's a carousel. What does it supposed to convey? It. <laughs> They're just like, eh. <laughs> it's the carousel of events episode. This means that they are doing a pleasure garden, aka like a mini D- DIY Vox Hall um, the perfect place for fun. a bookish spinster to be accidentally compromised by a Viscount while they're enjoying dazzling light displays and light, light refreshments in the gardens. 
what better place to find that you simply must marry the Viscount lest your reputation be destroyed forever. And he's a gentleman. There is nary a bookish spinster inside. <laughs> That's true. We have uh, we have Ms. Remy, who is is not here to be compromised by anyone, and hopefully she won't be. But she's still feeling pretty shattered over Lincoln, potentially not being ready to commit. She's trying to, like, regain that trust in him and that optimism that she felt. And Frankly, she shouldn't. She shouldn't. She should try less. Yeah, it's like cut, cut back and forth between her being like, I'm so glad he's still here. Like, this connection is once in a lifetime telling her court. Like, I just still feel so much for him. Cut to him telling the gentleman in the parlor. You know, I don't know. I'm, I just, like, maybe it's lust, maybe it's love. I just need to, like, figure out if I could ever commit to her, ever. It's not what you would hope the gentleman that you are describing <laughs> as a once-in-a-lifetime connection to your family would be saying about you simultaneously. No. And the 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 guys in the in the parlor are also getting pretty fed up. Like they're like, we all understand what this is about, and you don't, and you expect to just be able to like spell bullshit about it to us endlessly and never be called out. Yeah, they're like, they're they're like, there's only a few of us left. Yeah, what are you doing? What are you like, doing? Get your shit together. We're not your posse, I- bro. Like what? Like at this point, he's like pissed because he's like, guys, I know that one of you told. Ms. Remy, what I said, and I'm pretty disappointed about it. Mr. Nazaire is like, yes, uh, that was me. Yeah, it wasn't malicious, what, like, but I just wanted her to know. And Lincoln is like, you know what, man, that's bullshit. It's like bro code, gentleman's parlor code. That's not a thing. Who told you there was a gentleman's parlor code? <laughs> is that something that they talk about in there? Like, we have a special code for the gentleman's parlor? I could say anything in the gentleman's parlor and Ms. Remy will never find out. I also love that even once it's been very much established that there is no gentleman's parlor code happening, Lincoln continues to just, like, spew his bullshit openly to, like, all the men. He thinks the power of bro code is so great that, like, (laughs) all he has to do is invoke it and be like, remember bro code? And they'll all be like, oh, right. My obligation to any random man is greater than my obligation to a human woman whose feelings I care about. And I should remember that and uphold that. Anyone, any guy who talks about bro code, to me, that is like a gigantic red flag. Massive red flag. I mean, it's like, obviously, we all care about our friends, but it's really just a way of saying like, you know, our male feelings and entitlements are more important than the women in our lives ever will be. I, I find it really... Really off-putting. And of course, it's Mr. Chapman who is now invoking it. Mr. Nazaire is then like... Also, Lincoln says this weird thing that's like, oh, well, I've been so confident that I haven't felt the need to disclose things about other suitors. And it's like, okay, so are you saying that if you didn't feel confident, you would just to get one over on them? Like, that would be a competitive move for you, but you just haven't felt like you had to? Like, what do you... Like, why do you think that that makes you sound more principled? I don't know. Mr. Nazar asks if he'd be ready to propose at the end, and he's like, I don't know. And Mr. Nazar is like, I think that's really tough on her, and you're not really considering her. Wow. Mr. Nazar is not the one that I expected to be out here saying the correct, truthful things about 
actually caring about a woman's emotions. He's the F-boy with a heart of gold. He's like, at least I'm not, like, telling her that I'm in love with her and we're gonna get married. And then coming back to you guys and talking shit and being like, bro code, bro code. (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Nazir actually would thrive on F-boy island. Oh, yeah. Send him right there. Yeah, every woman would be like, he is the F-boy with the heart of gold that I've been looking for. He acts like an F-boy, but I think he's really a nice guy. Uh, Mr. Bokikio asks if it's lust or love, and he's like, it's lust that I'm trying to figure out if it could become love. But for Nicole, Sir. it's both. And they're like, okay, Sir. so that seems bad. <laughs> like, do you see the problem? <laughs> These he's guys like, no, are over I don't. it. Yeah. So I think it's becoming pretty clear that Mr. Chapman is our Mr. Wickham this season. Yeah. They even have him read a line from the Daily Tea that's like, will one of these men be revealed to be a Wickham who like seduces the ladies but can't commit? <laughs> Awkward pause. I, anyway. I love this. He's just like, hmm, who could this <laughs> be about? Hmm. He's like, I'm actually starting to have a lot more sympathy for that Mr. Wickham that in 10th grade <laughs> English class I, I didn't think about so much. So... Before the Pleasure Gardens, Nicole kind of assigns different parts of her family to check in on specific guys and, like, ask them some tougher questions. So she's like, Dad, you talk to Mr. Wilkikio. Uh, Mrs. Baker talks to decides to talk to Mr. Nazaire. Dom is going to talk to Mr. Judge. And she assigns her mom to Mr. Cones. Interestingly, no one is assigned to press Mr. Chapman here. Did they just, like, leave Tessa out? Yeah, I was like, but she isn't at this meeting. This is like a family meeting. I didn't see her there. I was like, is Nicole protecting Mr. Chapman by sort of taking that on herself? She's like, I will be the one to check in with Mr. Chapman. Or do we not see who is assigned to him in that conversation? It's weird because you would think they would want to show that. And so it does make me feel like she's kind of not wanting him to get pressed too hard right now. Her mom is going to talk to Mr. Cones and she brings up that she wants to find out how he would deal with like, the, the question of them being Black and, like, the, the acceptance of that, not just for him, but, like, to his family, the community. And Dom agrees. He's like, yeah, I would want to find out how they're navigating race today instead of in the Regency era. It's like, it's time to start Wise, having that Dom. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Seem, seems like a conversation that definitely should happen. Um, and I was glad to see them acknowledge that very pointedly. And Nicole also says that, you know, she's like, as a Black woman, I have to think about that whenever I start a relationship. And like, of course. Yeah. Um, And that leads us into the pleasure gardens. Yes, there's a carousel, of course, a carousel of events. There are string lights. There is dancing. And there's like one woman wearing a leotard and twirling fire sticks who gets the most screen time, I think, of anyone in this episode. That sounds like a bunch of events, Claire. So many events. <laughs> Including a fortune teller, the biggest event of all. Nicola is there to really provide some much-needed, completely producer-free insight into all of these relationships. Yeah, she, like, has them the each— speaking. They ha- she has them hold a teapot, and then she reads the tea leaves, which is essentially, like— if you stew the tea uh, uncontained in the pot and then you pour the tea, then there will be some actual tea leaves in the bottom of the cup. You pour the tea out and then you look at the design. I mean, anyone who's read Harry Potter knows what I'm talking about. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> getting real Trelawney vibes here. Yeah, hopefully people are not reading Harry Potter so much these days, but like you may recall. And so 
she obviously then just says exactly what any producer would say about each of the guys, but in the most positive possible way. She basically tells each couple, you should be together. So she's feeling like like Nicole should maybe be in a sort of five-hander relationship. She says Mr. Judd is a catch. She she sees wedding bells. She says Mr. Nazaire has lots of love to give. He's ready to be in a relationship. She says, quote, I would like to see the two of you dating. You just need to go off into the sunset and enjoy. To be clear, he's not ready for marriage. (laughs) We all know that. But she's also like, go for it. Like everything I feel like the show is for it is really like pushing Mr. Judge. Yes, definitely pushing (laughs) Mr. Judge. Mr. Bokikio is so funny going into this reading. He's like, I don't really believe in, like, the hocus-pocus mumbo-jumbo, but, like, also, like, what if she says something and it, like, really gets in my head and I start to, like, overthink it? And he should be worried because when she sees their their cup of leaves, she laughs darkly. (laughs) And then she says there's lots more to learn and he has to actually share with her what's in his head. And hmm, the tea leaves feelings. told you all of that. He's like, how could she know? Actually, from from this these scenes, I was reminded really strongly of you know in Jane Eyre when a fortune teller comes to to visit while they're having like a house party and summons each of them into the side room and reads their fortunes and it's like so accurate and everyone's like whoa and of course. The fortune teller is just Mr. Rochester, the the you know <laughs> yes. the owner of the house of, and the, their host. So obviously he knows everything. That's Nicola. So what you're saying is, yeah, <laughs> Nicola is a plant. Nicola is just a producer. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, with Mr. Chapman, she says she sees half a heart. So you take half the boxes you need. You're attracted. It's good on the intellectual level, but there's something missing. Nicole doesn't seem to be quite listening to this. No, she she's a very charitable read on this <laughs> reading. She's like seems good, seems like we're great. Um, all seems you like need we're both putting in a half a heart and that makes a full one. Right. So, all you need all is half a heart each to have a full heart. So it's actually really beautiful and I was like Nicole I think she was saying that there is half of it missing, but you'll rewatch this and you'll <laughs> reflect on it. She feels very validated. Nicole is just so generous and wants to to be as optimistic as possible. And meanwhile, Lincoln is like, the half heart that's missing is that I'm not in love with Nicole and she's in love with me. Okay, so leave. Get the fuck out of here, Lincoln. He Why has, are you still there? Because he has to sneak into her room one more time for some more Regency-style hooking up before he has to just go back to, to sweatpants. Just if and, it's lust or love. Yeah. Mr. Cones goes last and is already kind of plastered, I think, at this point. And he's so him. excited. He's like, I'm really into tarot cards and astrology. I just love this shit. Like, I'm so excited to hear what she says. And Nicola says, on paper, I don't think the two of you match, but that doesn't matter because you really make Nicole laugh. And some of the other men can't do that. And laughter is the most important thing. Christian, after many coops of champagne, is just... Very, very enthusiastic about this reading. He's like, Nicole, like, come on. We have so much to talk about. I can't even, like, there's so much to talk about after this. Like, he's like, this is it for me. And I was like, Christian, she basically said that she should end up with each of you. So, like, don't get carried (laughs) away. (laughs) Um, 
but I love seeing him uh, in his element. Mr. Remy, meanwhile, is trying to drill down a little bit with Mr. Bocchicchio and asks if he could see himself marrying Nicole. And Mr. Bocchicchio says that he could because they, you know, they came really far in just a short period of time. And so now he's able to see that progression more clearly. And he likes that they challenge each other. And Mr. Remy asks if his family would accept Nicole and... He says, absolutely. And then they sort of bond over how they both have a brother who they're very close to. And at this point, Mr. Remy is actually like, hey, Mr. Okikyo is not so yeah, bad. Yeah, he's like, Mr. Danny B, not as bad as I thought he was. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm into him as my yeah. future son-in-law. Maybe he's a he Mr. Was, Darcy. He seemed really won over. Um, Mrs. Remy has a really lovely conversation with Christian Cones. First, she asks if he wants kids. And he's like, yeah, I do. And then she asks really directly, like, what would your family feel about you being with marrying Nicole, given that she's Black and our family is a Black family? And Christian is like, that's not even a question. I That would not be an issue. Like, my stepmom is Afro-Brazilian. My family is a mixed, blended family. Um, and Mrs. Remy seems very pleased by this. Every conversation with Mr. Cones is just, like, a Ugh. good conversation because he just is so, like, kind and open-hearted and nothing seems to, like, take him. He's he's thought through everything already, you well, know? That, yeah, that's what Considered. I was going to say. Like, it's not just that he's kind. It's that he's actually very thoughtful mm-hmm. and that he's at, it seems like he's actually contended and, like, cares about a lot of the social and economic inequalities in this country and, like, what those things are based on. And it's, like, this is an aware person. Yeah. Um, And that is really helpful when considering going into a relationship where you might be facing some of those systems of oppression. Yeah. And this felt really different to me than Dom's conversation with Mr. Judge. And, like, Mr. Judge had the response to questions about race that I feel like we've seen on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, like, where you have a white person who's like, I don't see color, basically. Like, he doesn't say that, but that's sort of the vibe. Like He doesn't say, I don't see color, but what he does say is, when Dom asks if he's thought about, like, the reality of marrying into a Black family, he's like, I haven't thought about it because I don't see it as a barrier. And it's like, well, you still should think about it, you know? Right. I guess that's what I mean. Like, I don't think that he is so ignorant as to, that he would say, like, I don't see color. Like, obviously, he knows that he's dating a Black woman. But I do feel like he has that more, like, cloistered view of race that's just like, well, if I don't personally find it to be an impediment, then, like, it won't be. Yeah. And that's not really a person who has thought through the way that our society treats blackness yeah um he does like s- express that he like is really eager to like learn more about that reality like expand his perspective dom is really satisfied with his answer and i think also the fact that like maybe mr judge comes from such like a background where he doesn't feel close to his family that i wonder if That's he's true. in a way like there's less of an entrenched like familial community to contend with in the sense of like, well, how will your family receive us? Like, he doesn't see his family, it seems like. Um, So he's really seeing his future 
wife's family, as he's expressed, is sort of like his chance to really have that. And so it, you know, it's maybe a different question for him in a certain way than some of the other contestants. But yeah, like he's definitely like, this will be a learning experience for me. And I feel good about it. And Dom is like, great. Mrs. Baker asked Mr. Nazaire what it would look like for them to get married. And he's basically like, well, my ex's family and my family hated each other, so I didn't see my family for a long time, and I don't want that to happen again. So I would just make sure they got along. And I have to say, (laughs) I would be freaked out by this answer. (laughs) I'd be like, say more. (laughs) Why did they hate each other? How would you make sure it didn't happen again? Like, what? Like, this is a red flag. (laughs) Gonna need some deets. Um... But she's like, well, he really values love, and that's beautiful. So check, check, check. And yeah, we don't see Mr. Chapman getting grilled by anyone. We see him stealing a romantic moment with Ms. Remy on the carousel, and she is not grilling him. She is bathing him in the most romantic, loving look I have ever seen, and like the glow of her affection. He doesn't deserve the purity of the love that she is like, showering him with. I feel like the show was just like, look, we're a little too early (laughs) for Mr. Chapman to be exposed. So, Nicole, just go make out with him and we'll get (laughs) to this conflict later. Yeah. I mean, she tells him basically like my whole list of things I was looking for, those things don't matter. I just want someone who looks at me the way you do. It makes my heart skip (sighs) a beat. He is looking at her I understand what she's saying. It's got he's got a very like my soul is in my eyes sort of look. But but behind that, he looks pretty shaky and like mournful. I was like, he actually looks like he's unwell during this scene. And I wonder if a part of him is like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. This is gonna end oh, in yeah. tears. I think he's I think he's <laughs> starting to get like the anxiety six. Yeah. Like, he is is feeling conflicted, and I also suspect that, like, production is really trying to get him to not just cut and run. You're probably right. Point. You're probably right. Um, when in doubt, like, the Occam's razor is it, when you're like, why isn't this guy just leaving? It's usually in large part because production is like, you. it could be love. Like, you'll never know if you leave. Like, you just stay one more week. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know— well, I'll stick it out and I'll just like see if I can figure it out with you. Romantic as hell. She just like has the love blinders on now. She hears this and instead of being like, that's not enough, she's like, she just receives it as like, well, there's hope. Yeah, there's hope and I can be patient with the people I really care about. And uh, I, I think it would be really intoxicating to be sort of showered with the kind of love that she is like showing to Lincoln and yet he is not. He seems unaffected by it and it's hard to see what how this could end well. But in his in the moment he's like, "Hey, listen, I could be in my van in sweats right now wondering what I missed out on, but instead I'm here in front of a castle wearing this cool suit." So like, yeah, I'm, I made a great choice. And I'm like, "Wait, did you stay because you actually he's like I want to stay in a castle costume?" <laughs> So I'm like, do you love van life so much that you can't give it up for Nicole? Or do you hate it so much that you're with Nicole just to escape it? I genuinely think it's both somehow. Mr. Judge, <sighs> the next day, gets a one-on-one date. His his first one, I think. Um, like, he, the, his first time getting, like, the solo date of the episode. 
They go apple picking together in red and green ruffled coats. She's very like very. Little Red Riding Hood. It's very oh, red, yeah. very red coat. They talk about <laughs> during this date the last times that they were in love. And Jesse was like, I knew it was love when the woman that I was seeing brought me dinner across the state when they were long distance and that he really values like those acts of service. Yeah. This man has read the five love languages. He, and he, yeah, he knows which, which one it is for him and it's people bringing him dinner. That's, it's so interesting. I feel like people always talk about that as a romantic gesture. And I genuinely feel like that's the first time that I've heard someone being like, that's enough for me to fall in love is just someone bringing me a burrito. Like that'll do it. It's sweet. It's very sweet. And Nicole, we're getting the sense, feels like Jesse is just too safe. Like, he doesn't have enough edge. His idea of, like, a big gesture is dinner. I mean, you know, (laughs) is this the fun, spontaneous, high-flying sort of guy that she came here to find? But he is handsome. So, you know, a lot of things to balance. Uh, On the way back from their date, Nicole sort of peels off to chat with Mr. Nazaire. Um, because she has doubts about what a future would look like with him. And he's kind of like, yeah, you're probably right to be worried because you live in Seattle and I am an influencer and all of my brand collabs are based in London. (laughs) He's like, my work is constant. I can't just pick up my laptop and go somewhere, which I actually thought was kind of the point of being an influencer is that you can just travel and do fun stuff and post pictures of it or reels. He's like, I wish to be based in Europe, though. <laughs> or, like, maybe he's going to be filming more Made in Chelsea. Like, um, I mean, that's that's hard. You can't be in Seattle filming no, a London-based no. reality show. He's like, I, I'll never be able to get away. I'll just be glued to my brand collabs in London. And that he says that he wants marriage and kids, but he doesn't know when. He literally is like, I'm not one of those guys that's like, marriage, kids, we'll see one day. I know I want them. I just don't know when. And I'm like, so you basically are one of those guys who's like, we'll see someday. Because if you don't want it for 20 years, you're just as much good to her as a guy who isn't sure if he wants them at all. Yep. (laughs) So at least he's being straight up about it. That's something I do (sighs) appreciate about Mr. Nazaire. And she now has the information she needs. She's like, life with him would be exciting. I love being around him, but it would be super risky. And maybe that's not what I need. Yeah, I feel like it was pretty clear after this conversation to everyone involved. Like, it's time for him to go home. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, In the gentleman's parlor, the men are also now thinking about envisioning a future with Nicole. And I just love getting a glimpse (laughs) into what that means to each of these guys. Mr. Cohen's obviously is back to thinking about food and his specifically his obsession with corn dogs. He says he can just see them toasting with two, count them, two corn dogs. That classic. But only on their four-year anniversary. <laughs> well, the fourth anniversary is the corn dog anniversary. Yeah, as we all know. It's like first, it's like wood and like. Yeah. Um, yeah, paper, wood, aluminum, <laughs> corn dogs. I mean, to him, everything does come back to food. Like, he's like, the one thing I can definitely envision is that we would be having corn dogs together. He's like, that just feels like such a real memory. And I'm like, yeah, because (laughs) that's definitely something that you would do and it involves something that's very real and present to you, a corn dog. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's very vivid. Uh, 
Mr. Bukikio is like, I just really see being at basketball games at Madison Square Garden together and like her sister, like shooting me dirty looks from across the room. Like, I just like see these things that we would do together. And then Mr. fucking Chapman is out here again, just running his mouth and being so honest. But like, I guess he feels that He's like, the bro code was invoked yeah. a few days ago. They're going to so know better now. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, I just think like the perfect relationship would just be super light, casual, zero commitment, not living together. Maybe sometimes I'll visit her. But like, yeah, you know, Ma- not maybe we'll just take a, several weeks to not speak. That yeah. kind of relationship. Sometimes I visit Seattle for three days. Other times we don't talk for two months because I'm just like vibing in my van. Maybe <laughs> she comes on the road with me for a little bit, but then she goes away and we don't talk and that keeps the spark alive, you know? And then it's very casual. And The other men are like, what? <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't understand how you can just say that to us knowing that we're all on a show where we're supposed to be hopefully proposing in like a week (laughs) and a half max, like we're concerned that you don't understand what's going on. And also it's like, I think that the other guys are also starting to be like, we just don't even understand why he would want that. Like, why would you want to be in a relationship where you just don't talk for a long time? Like that's kind of like for a lot of people, a deal breaker. Like I would like to talk to my girlfriend Every day, that seems normal. He's losing the room. Like, they're not interested in keeping this secret for much longer. They're over it. Yeah. They're like, you know, Mrs. Ms. Remy is clearly interested in picking him. And, like, we're all here interested in exploring her relationship with her where we would be committed and talk to her every day. And we know that's what she wants, too. So why is it in anyone's interest except Mr. Chapman's for us to keep listening to this shit and doing nothing? And with that, it's time for the farewell ball. Ms. Remy has a peacock feather in her hair, and she's ready to send another gentleman home, bringing it down to the final four on the dance this card. This was really the most, like, anticlimactic farewell ball because Mr. Chapman isn't even on the dance card. Yeah. It's just Mr. Nazaire and Mr. Judge. And so it was like, okay, so you're sending Mr. Nazaire home. Yeah. she. But we get it. But she gives some really brutal feedback to Mr. Judge. She's like, you know how people love being called a safe bet? Um, (laughs) That's how I see you. Uh, Safe bet, and it wouldn't be fulfilling and exciting, maybe, to be with someone who's, like, just safe, you know? And that is fucking brutal. It was brutal. Imagine (laughs) someone telling you that. (laughs) She delivers it so uh, gently, but I was like, you are basically saying, like, I'd be settling for something safe with you, and that's, like, nah, not that exciting of a prospect. But then she she ends up saying, you know, in this case, I think the safe bet would be a great bet, and I want to keep exploring. Just, like, relax, let your hair down. He's been getting this feedback for weeks, and I have to say, at this point, the constant pressure to relax would be making me tenser than than anything else in the world. Also, maybe he's just, like, simply not a loosey-goosey person. I I think that when he does loosen up also, it's not, it's just not in a way that registers to her. You know what I mean? Like, we see him joking around with her, but, like, she doesn't feel like he's loosened up. And that says to me that she's personality. Right. It says to me that she doesn't feel loose and comfortable around him when he's being loose and comfortable. They're not on the same wavelength. 
Yeah, I agree. And she tells Mr. Nazaire that their lifestyles won't work together. And he calls her a naughty minx and tells the other guys to take care of her and and uh, has a very friendly goodbye with everyone. They leave things on excellent terms. It's It's very sweet. And we're down to the final four. And Ms. Remy is like, these four boys mean everything to me. And, you know, one of them could be my husband. No, what she literally says is each of them has a one in four chance of becoming my husband, which is factually doesn't really track to me because that doesn't <laughs> really account for the, the the statistical chance that she will end up breaking up with whoever she picks, which is high. So that is true. Mm. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like at this point looking around being like, I can't, I don't really see it. I don't see it. I'm very excited to find out if she's still with any of these guys and like what that relationship looks like now, if they're still together. But before we continue uh, exploring next week, we are left with a spicy little scene as she's putting on her long nightgown and turning in in her bedchamber, there's a knock on the door. It's Mr. Chapman. And he says, what's up? And then they start making out. Oh, he's the you up guy. Oh, yeah. He's literally, he's like, I went all the way back to the Regency so that I could find a way to do booty calls. (laughs) The one thing. He's like, it worked once. (laughs) Try it again. He's like, you know, this will help me gain clarity to hook up with her again when I pretty much no I don't want to commit to her that's that I think that's what I that what we both need the whole point of the Regency dating is to escape the trap the trap of like the situation exactly the situationship that he is now finding a way to pursue and he's just like (sighs) such a fuck boy yeah he says to her I know the connection we have the chemistry it's there like he knows he is leading her to believe that there's a chance like dude if you really are confused then just sit by yourself and think about it. Yeah. He's like, I just want more time with you to figure out this connection by coming to your room at midnight and, like, <laughs> taking off your nightgown. But, like, As what everyone it- knows, that is the classic way men usually commit to you. That's how you find out if lust is actually love. With is after midnight. Just keep indulging in the lust part only of your relationship. And that's how you'll find out if it's also love. I'm like, you already know the physical chemistry is there. You have no reason to choose this specific way of spending time with her to actually further your relationship. It's just because it's what you feel like doing with her before you leave because you're obviously not going to propose. Like, this is such bullshit. I am not pleased with him right now. Justice for Nicole. Yeah. Um, And I think we all know how this is going to end with him running off with her sister to Gretna Green and (laughs) disgracing the whole family. (laughs) That's right. I'm calling him a Wickham. Next week, hopefully, Lincoln will meet his judgment at last. But for now, that brings us to the end. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to cover Temptation Island, episode 10. Can you keep up? I like love Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about 
is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, <laughs> you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season yes. again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really, like, elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it, so comfortable, so chic, also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. We are joined now by best-selling author and friend of the pod, Jessica Goodman, whose new book, The Counselors, comes out next week. Jess, thank you for binging Temptation Island to help us with this recap. Personally, I've been binge reading your novel, so it feels like an even exchange. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I am so delighted to be here. Um, you know I love you guys in this podcast, but I'm specifically excited to be here to talk about this very episode of Temptation Island, which um, was so wild in so many ways. And having not watched most of the season until this week to prepare for the podcast, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I feel like there's a real affinity between this show and your new book. Like, it's a sort of camp-like setting. Counselors is, of course, set at a summer camp young love, toxic behavior, drama, like it really goes together. We're just waiting for the murder. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, there's still a couple more episodes. There could be more. There would be no shortage of motive. I'm just gonna say, like, <laughs> almost too much motive. Uh, so let's let's get started. This is a sort of weird episode because basically, Temptation Island does a two part finale, and so it's the final bonfires, but we only get like one point seven five of the final conversations between the couples. 1.75 feels generous. It's it, like one one point four. Well, it's hard to know how much is <laughs> is coming still True. with with Lascelles and Ashley, who we are left on a cliffhanger with. But at least we get to see at last what happens with Jillian and Edgar, which I've been waiting for. So let's get started. Uh, it's time for our couples to gear up for this final test and to take some time for us to like reflect and say goodbye to their island boyfriends and girlfriends, at least for now. These last conversations were so telling, I think, of what's about to come. Oh, yeah. Like Hanya and Luke are just like, so yeah, like so long. Thanks for all the therapy. You've been great to Karina and Paige. These women have done so much free therapy. Like, I kind of can't believe that they aren't getting compensated for that part of this show. Right? Like, could you imagine going on reality TV and then just being like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm a therapist. For I, I helped a man self-actualize, and that's all the payment I need. <laughs> like, that is actually the primary job of being a single woman on Temptation Island, is, like, group, or individual counseling. I mean, Karina is literally a licensed Karina therapist. is a therapist. She absolutely should be billing by the hour for what she's yeah. doing with Hanya. But that's what I was thinking about while watching this show, just like in general as a concept. Like, if you're a single woman, it's or, or a single man, honestly, it's kind of like, why would you want to go on this show? We like, have that the same the, question. I, I couldn't I couldn't find an answer. I'm left really with like, it's so hard out there dating that you're like, maybe this is an opportunity to make, to meet a man who has committed to someone at some point. And so I know he's <laughs> capable of it. And maybe their relationship so is like really bad. <laughs> and he's just ready to move on with me. It's dark, but that's the best I can come up with. With the guys, it's like, maybe it's misandrous, but like a part of me really enjoys watching the guys have to just pour their emotional energy into like helping the women self-actualize at the women's villa. But, like, when I see these poor single w- women having to do it with Hanya and, like, Edgar, I'm like... Yeah, you're like, get no. paid. You deserve to get paid for the <laughs> level of emotional labor that is happening here. Like, these men came in, and they need... They just need years of therapy. They're catching up. The women, probably, at least some of them, have, you know, have a have a good baseline. Or at least a lot of these, the, a lot of the singles also like aren't. We don't see them ever interacting with like the uh, people of the opposite sex. So I'm just like, okay, cool. You're on vacation. Like you're just on this like six <laughs> oh. week vacation or however long it is, and like you're just like hanging by the pool, hopefully making some friends, like having some free food. Like, what? Who? What's happened? Like they're not doing anything. No. It's great. I mean, the ideal them, outcome, the honestly, for if you go on this show is no one's that into you, so you just get to hang out and go to parties where there are jello shots. But also they're into you enough 
that you like stick around until at least the midway point. Right. So you like get your money's worth. You're like well liked, but not romantically entangled. That honestly sounds great. Yeah, that would be my goal. And it, you know what? <laughs> it it wouldn't be difficult, I think, if I showed up to this island to to fade into the background because yes. A lot of hot ladies. Um, so they all start saying their goodbyes. Edgar and Lascelles are basically like, I'll see you later. It's not goodbye. It's like, until we ride off into the sunset together, farewell. And meanwhile, the women have, I think, more complex conversations. It seems like Iris is just talking to Deke about how he's helped her, like, realize where she really stands in her relationship. But with, like, Ashley and Blake, she's like, I really don't know what choice I'm going to make still. Like, she's just torn between possibly asking him to leave with her, trying to work things out with the cells, or leaving alone. Jillian is trying to get Tommy to to possibly commit to at least talking to her in some form after they leave the island. And he's like, yeah, we'll see. Like, I don't know. Like, I won't block like, you on social course. media. Of course. We'll talk again at least one time in our lives. <laughs> Isn't there a reunion involved in this? Like, I'm sure we'll cross paths. <sighs> there was one point where, um, I, I forget if it was in this episode or the one prior, because as you know, I didn't watch <laughs> all of them right away. Um, Jillian said something like, you know, I've never been with a guy like Tommy who's like confident and independent. And she's like, and I just don't know if, like, I could deal with that. And I was like, you should probably be able to deal with someone who has I have to say, like, having watched thing. her relationship with Tommy and her relationship with Edgar, I think she is early on in her journey of figuring out that there are guys who are confident, but who are also not kind of stringing her along the way that Tommy is. Like, I'm like, is Tommy confident? Or does he just know or that he doesn't care that much about her? Right. Like, <laughs> Or is he on a reality show? <laughs> is he on a reality show? Is he excited about the babe bonanza that's about to ensue for him? Like, he's trying to do like, oh, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Like, you're crazy if you think that I'm not going to talk to you after this. And I'm like, that's like, buddy. Like, you keep telling her that you don't really want to be involved with her after this. So she's not crazy. Um, but they kind of seem to settle on maybe we'll be friends. In some capacity. Long-distance friends, and she wants to be with him, and he doesn't. <laughs> Sounds healthy. Maybe we'll see each other at a music festival that we all go to <laughs> and are paid to promote. <laughs> we'll see each other exactly. at Revolve Festival. Um, so Ash and Taylor say a very emotional goodbye. Ash clearly feels very attached to Taylor, but they both seem to agree that it's not the right time for them to be together. And so now Ash is sort of in a position of sort of being tested by Taylor, who really expects them to just go back to Hanya once he's not there to kind of fill that role of keeping them sort of happy. The second that Taylor's gone, will they just, like, crumple and be like, okay, I'll marry you, Hanya? Like, sure. I think no. I I, I believe in Ash. I have more faith in Ash than Taylor does, perhaps. Ash is not going back to Hanya. Like, yeah, no, fuck no, not. absolutely not. Zero percent. If Ash goes back to Hanya, there's going to be an intervention like that. That concerns me. Um, but I don't I don't think that's going to happen. After this, we get some of them sort of reflecting to each other and solo about what they want 
to come next in the process. Again, revealing conversations. Lascelles is literally like, I've had so much guilt on me through this process. It's been like psychological warfare. And I'm like, it's been psychological warfare for you that you have been like plunging into a very serious relationship with another woman without ever breaking up with your partner of seven years. Is that psychological warfare for you to have yeah, it's hard some level him, of <laughs> Claire? He's a victim here, okay? I don't think you're understanding. Like, he's in pain. It's hard for him to have two girlfriends. It's just, it's hard. It is. I don't understand how they were in a seven-year relationship based on the way that they were talking about one another. It was like, Ashley was like, I've never seen him, like, cry or, like, emote at all. And, like, you know, when they were, like, showing the bonfire clips of, like, how he was being with Trace, she was like, I've literally never seen this. It's like, you've been together for seven years. What is going on? I don't understand how you can be with someone for seven years and sort of keep forgetting that that person exists. Like, don't you at least get really accustomed to thinking of that person just through the force of habit? It seems like no. Like, he's, like, out of sight, out of mind. Oh, yeah. I think he is the most incredible compartmentalizer that I have, like, ever witnessed. He's like, is there a woman directly sitting in front of me? She's the only woman in the world. Great. No one else exists. And I suspect that we're going to see him get a lot more conflicted. Also, that's the thing. He keeps saying, like, oh, I fell in love with Trace, and, like, that's my future. Trace, like, no matter what happens, that's just logistical. We're going to figure out a future together. And then he's reflecting, and he's like, well... You know, it's hard to say where my relationship will go because anything can happen at the final bonfire. Like, LaSalle's. It shouldn't be that up there, buddy. (laughs) I'm like, what do you think is going to happen that it's going to go differently at the final bonfire? He's going to remember that this other woman is a full flesh being. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. Oof. I really hope, I mean, the show left us on the cliffhanger of, you know, will they or won't they? And, like, I will be so sad if they get back together because these are just clearly two people who should not be together at all. But I also really don't want him to be with Trace. Yeah. I think he for, should be for alone. For Trace's sake. For Trace's yes. sake, yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want LaSalle's to figure out who he is when he's not trying to really impress a woman. Yeah, he, I would like him to go to therapy. Yeah, he, a lot of therapy. This was his mistake. That Instead he pays of for. finding a therapist, he found a new woman to spend all his time impressing, and he actually didn't need that at this point in his life. Meanwhile, uh, Edgar and Jillian are both seemingly pretty pissed at each other, and it's not boding well for their 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 final bonfire. She's like, you know. He's been acting out. It's a side of him that he still hasn't dealt with. He's not growing. He's just the same Edgar that, like, cheated on me a couple years ago, basically. And Edgar is, like, the pain of seeing Jillian talk about the promise ring and whether she should wear it or not is so profound. I just don't... But with Marissa, I can see into her soul. And what I see as a woman who would... Never speak flippantly of a promise ring that I gave her. She's uh, perfect. Edgar is my literal worst enemy. He has learned nothing. He's so toxic. He has learned nothing. He self-victimizes constantly. And he has just put Marissa, who's also 
a human woman who probably like is annoying sometimes or gets annoyed with him sometimes. And he has put her on this pedestal and he's like convinced that the issue really was that he thought Jillian was perfect, but she deceived him. And so now he's actually found the perfect one. Right. He's found a new woman. Someone who will never decide. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's She's perfect because he decided. Yeah. His his process of growth is just swapping out women on the pedestal. I'm like, why isn't this working for me? This is going to start working for me sooner or later. So let's get into this first final bonfire between Jillian and Edgar. Edgar is trying to do this whole like magnanimous thing at the beginning of this bonfire. He's like, I'm just so excited to see my former soulmate, Jillian. What a delight this will be. Yeah. And you're just my like, former okay. Soulmate. Yeah, I'm so excited just- to see this, this woman I thought was perfect who turned out to be a lying harlot with like <laughs> the soul of a snake. I'm so excited to see her. <laughs> Jillian is like a little more honest. She's like, a part of me still loves him, but like he's really been fucking up and I'm pretty mad about it. They each basically get a chance to speak a little statement while the other person listens. And then that flows into an open conversation. And then Mark prompts them each to give their their final decision. So Jillian speaks first and she tells Edgar that she's very grateful to have had him in her life, that he was the first guy that she ever like really opened up to and let her walls down with. And she didn't want to, like, lose the person he brought out of her. But she then realized over the course of this process that she can do that for herself. And that would make her a better partner and more self-sufficient. And then she says, but I feel extremely disrespected by things that you did. And she notes specifically that he told her to leave him the fuck alone in his <laughs> in the clip that she saw at Bonfire Night. And... And having to watch him, like, have sex with Marissa. And she's... Seems hard. It's a little hard. <laughs> yeah, seems fair. She's like, once again, you've cheated on me. And this time I had to literally watch it. And that really sucked for me. And he's like, well, wait until you hear what I have to say about a sentence you said about a promise <laughs> ring. <laughs> Our promise ring's making a big resurgence. Like, they keep coming up. And, like, I genuinely didn't know it was a thing for people who were not in high school. No. Apparently, I guess he gave her the promise ring as a promise to, like, not fuck up again <laughs> after he <laughs> after, cheated on her. Yeah. So it's not— Yeah, it's a— This this is a post-cheating promise ring. And he's like, how dare she denigrate right. the symbol of the fact that, yes, I really betrayed her trust, but— I won't do it again unless she, you know, makes a comment that annoys me. Right. And I'll the, definitely do it again. This is like the college student version of, like, the giant diamond ring that Kobe yes. Bryant gave his wife. Exactly. Yikes. I think I think we need to, like, put the kibosh on all promise ring trends. Like, Evett making a I comeback. support like, that. Not into it. Don't do it. Like, don't even <laughs> call it a promise ring. It's not going to work out. It seems to be jinxed. Like, don't Honestly, do it. Honestly, I cursed, feel like cursed ring. he should have to wear a promise ring because he's the one who has to look down at his hand and be like, don't cheat on Jillian again. Don't cheat on Jillian again. Like, I need a physical reminder not to cheat on Jillian again. What she has is a physical reminder that he did cheat on her. So it doesn't seem like the right person is wearing the ring here. But I agree. 
probably shouldn't do it at all. But if anyone's going to have one, I do think it should be Edgar. Edgar then gives his statement. He says that it makes him so happy to hear that she's had a journey of growth, and he's so grateful for their last three years together. He thanks her for, quote, vocalizing the way she felt, and he acknowledges that he cheated on her, which he describes as a, quote, uncomfortable time. Yeah, I'm sure that was uncomfortable for him. It was hard for him. It was hard. (laughs) him. He says that what he did with Marissa was, well, I think he was describing when he cheated on her several years ago as an uncomfortable time. I would just say that that is perhaps somewhat downplaying what Jillian went through. He then says that what he did with Marissa was not to hurt her, but it was what he felt, and it was an act of choice, which I think we can all agree makes it okay. Yeah, that makes (laughs) it fine. He's like, last time... The other woman forced me into cheating on you. This time, it was my free will. So, it's good, right? Yeah. And then he says, it wasn't to hurt you. It was what I felt because the first few weeks you put me through so much pain. Not doing a great job making it sound like this wasn't to hurt her because it really is starting to sound like he definitely did it to hurt her. He says, when I saw you with what's-his-face kissing in the shower looking at him with the eyes of love. It was so difficult. And the worst thing was how you smoked, spoke dismissively about the ring and how whenever I saw you after that, it felt like you threw me outside a window or something. I put two question marks by this because what? Maybe he meant threw me under the bus, <laughs> but also don't know if that is out He was just here. searching for a metaphor and was like, that sounds like he a thing like, that would be painful to be thrown from a window. He was like, you have emotionally defenestrated me, and that is the greatest wound of all. And he's like, that's why I had to open up more to Marissa and explore my own journey. This is and when the open Jillian, conversation begins. Oh, bless her. Jillian really ju- just does have such a solid head at her shoulders for being only 21. Like, she even in her, when she's like fully in her fields, is able to kind of get the lay of the land and understand what's going on. She immediately is like, okay, I hear you, but like, that's kind of bullshit. You didn't have to have sex with her when you knew I would literally have to watch it. You could have just waited to have sex with her until after you were being filmed. And like, yeah, I never, I didn't do that to you. Like, we made an agreement about what our boundaries were as a couple, and, like, I stuck to them. And he says, Edgar. well, what happened in the shower? And, like, we do see the steamy clip of her and Tommy in the shower. And I sort of thought at the time that maybe something sexual occurred. She but it's not clear at all. It, she clarified. She's She spoke about it. She said no, like, because people were like, did you go down on him. And she was like, honestly, the cameras made me really uncomfortable. Like, I didn't want to do, be like intimate in front of camera people. Like there was a camera crew in the bathroom. And like, with that is the appropriate reaction. That <laughs> is, was like, that yes, is seems what fair. Like, I think, yes. That's quite reasonable. And, and also like, I think that it's easy, especially if you're in a suspicious headspace, like Edgar to see this steamy scene and you can't see their whole bodies and to be like, oh, it seems like they're doing sex things. But it's clear at this point that he's built so much of his edifice of resentment on that trump card that he can be like, well, you did it too. And then when she's like, nothing really happened, he's like, well, it was worse than sex because you looked at him with eyes of love and it would have hurt less to watch you have sex than to see your eyes of love. 
And it's like, Edgar, you're just saying that because you're realizing that, like, you did a worse thing than her, than she ever did, and you've got nothing. You looked at him with eyes of love. That is an incredible excuse. I had to cheat on you because you had eyes of love. And what were in his eyes, do you think? Looking at Marissa. He was writing Marissa love poetry, (laughs) like, the second week. You cannot yeah, Claire, tell that's me just how he feels. That's just his genuine emotion. So there was one point where Jillian was like, I'm really happy that he's like writing poetry again. Like, that's good for him. And I was like, that's nice, Jillian. Like, very supportive. This is when I was like, Jillian is ready to move on because I think yeah. that she had no possessiveness about him having an emotional attachment to someone else that seemed very romantic. She just didn't want to watch him literally fuck someone else. And I think that's which fair. Seems yeah, reasonable. But this is yeah. the, they have this back and forth now where he's like, actually, what you did is worse than what I did because the look of love was really hard to watch. And she's like, well, that isn't the case for me. For me, it was worse to see you have sex. And he's like, well, I didn't know what would hurt you worse. And she's like, so you just risked it? And that's a fair point. But I also want to point out that he did both things, as you were saying, Jess. Like, he also did the love looks and the emotional stuff. So he can't act like, well, I only did one thing that might hurt someone, and it was the last bad thing. He did all of it. And because she doesn't care about the love looks, he's just focusing on the thing that actually upset her and is like, well, the one thing that you did hurt me the most. It's a shell game. Like, he did all the bad shit. And he wants to evade his responsibility for any of it by pointing to the I one thing she that did. that he just is like, well, actually, we did talk about the love looks, but what about, let's go back to the ring. The ring <laughs> hurt the most. And that's actually my trump card because I didn't have a ring to cast off, but you had a ring and you disrespected it. And Jillian's like, very generously, I think. She's like, I don't want to validate your feelings, but I don't think that comment is the same as you having sex with someone. And also, I didn't even take the ring off until after I watched you have sex with Marissa. Right, wasn't she just talking about the ring? Yeah. That's what upset her. Yes. Out of context, very short clip where she was like, should I wear this? That was that was the whole thing. And I love that Edgar, once he's been cornered, is like, well, it's just inappropriate for us to compare. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm, I'm losing the comparison battle, we shouldn't compare our, our traumas. And then he's like, well, you hurt me by bringing me here. You should have just broken up with me. So he's winning now. He's like, you talked about the ring and you brought me here. And so basically everything I did is not that bad when you think about it because you brought me on this you show. You started it. You started it. He's like literally it. a child being like, you started it. And Jillian is like, well, okay, yes. But I, w- I was just trying to regain once we, what we, what we used to have. Like that mattered to me. And, and then he wouldn't have met Marissa. Exactly. So really it was a gift that she gave to him. It was a gift. She, it was a gift. She put him in a little boat and she set him off to sea on his next adventure. Like, how about... On national television. It's perfect. How about thank you, Jillian? Exactly. And then he's like, well, you started hurting me when you started lying to me. You've been lying to me for nine months. I was the inciting incident for that because I cheated on you. 
but you looked me in the face and lied to me for nine months about loving me. I still don't understand how you did that. This how dare you try guy. to forgive me after I cheated on you? Like, that's basically what he's saying. He's like, this is all your fault because you didn't break up with me after I cheated on you. Like, fuck you, Edgar. I hate this. I hate this man. I hate him. Basically, the way that he handles this whole conflict is just like, all the bad stuff that I did, whatever, that's irrelevant. It's in the past. But like everything that you have ever done to react to what I did, if it wasn't perfectly executed and with my well-being ultimately in mind, you're actually the worst person and to blame for all of the suffering that's that's happened in our relationship. If you just handled being cheated on appropriately by knowing exactly how you felt about it, and handling that gently and gracefully with me, then we wouldn't be here, would we, Jillian? So when you th- really think about it, like, it's on you. All my cheating, you know, that's what I did. What are you going to do? Boys will be boys. <laughs> I'm shaking right now with anger. <laughs> I, I was so angry. Well, I think I was, like, rage texting Claire. Yeah. And, like, whatever late hour I was watching this, being like, Edgar's my I don't know how she stayed so calm. I I mean, she was probably just like, wow, you look so bad right now. Like, there's no way I you there's no way that we come out of this where I look worse. So, like, okay, let it out. She's wise. She's like, I'm going to let you hang yourself by your own words. And she was like a little teary, you know. I mean, they were together for a long time and she was kind of probably sad about that. But, you know, it seemed like they were both just like, or at least she was just like, all right, like, just, yeah, I'm, I'm done. She Let's loses it here. after like, they eventually part ways. But yeah, she she really holds it together in this moment. Um, You know, she's kind of like, I'm sorry if you feel that I lied to you, but I didn't. And I thought I could bounce back from you cheating on me, but... I guess I can't. And this leads into Edgar being the first one to make his decision. And he's like, let's hold hands for he's this like, ritual. Can I hold your hand? And she, she's like, okay. She's like, fine. And he's he says, just been like castigating you. her for how she lied to him and like betrayed him and is like a monster. Now he's like, please let me tenderly hold your hand for this momentous he's moment. A- he Fuck needs off. to submit him, himself for himself as, like, the good guy. Like, you know he is classic capital and nice guy. Yeah. Like. Yeah. He thinks he's one of the good ones. Um, but he is like, I love you and I thank you. I wish nothing but the best for you in life. But I'm going to leave alone because I know I have a lot more growth to do on my own tender kiss on the hand that was upsetting to watch that kiss (laughs) and it gets worse but we'll get to that jillian says that she feels all the same things she's like i'm grateful to you i'm going to make the same choice and leave alone you're a really good guy i just hope you don't hurt people anymore and i'm going to try to do the same again generous to the end Finally, they're free of this torment. And she says, you can give me a hug if you want. They hug. And then he says, can I give you a kiss on the forehead? And she's like, no. No. That was the best part of the whole episode. I love her. (laughs) But agreed. Who wants a kiss on the forehead? Most times, I guess, honestly. But but especially from your ex who you just broke up with after you watched them, like, hook up with somebody else. Like... 
read the room, Edgar. It's like he still thinks that she craves his, like, benediction in some way, that he's, like, she's, like, this will be a beautiful healing moment of forgiveness and love to have my ex who has been, like, insulting me and, like, implying that I'm guilty of the worst kinds of emotional crimes. If I just get a kiss on the forehead from him, like, that's just what I need to proceed out into the world as a woman. Like, no one wants that fucking kiss on the forehead, Edgar. I wish Marissa luck with him, uh, which, you know, she will need because after Jillian leaves in floods of tears, Edgar tells Mark that he still wants to talk to Marissa. After he just was like, I'll be leaving alone. Yeah. Five minutes later, he's like, well, now that Jillian has exited stage left, bring in my new girlfriend. Yeah. He's like, it'd be hard to seem like such a victim if I was like, I'm going to try to leave with the woman I met here (laughs) instead of you. When do you think Jillian found out that he then asked to speak with Marissa? (laughs) Like watching the show? No, it seems like per some of what we've seen, they have these like little YouTube after shows. And it's clear that they had spoken after filming because Jillian was like, oh, well, after filming, he told me he didn't have sex with Marissa in like the overnight dates. Like he's just like continued lying to her. Yeah. What's the point, Edgar? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, Move it's going to be on TV. Like, what? Are, what's your game plan here? He's like, I hope they won't, like, show anything indicating that we had a boink fest all over our <laughs> fantasy suite. Mar- Marissa <laughs> was like, we we used, we enjoyed every room of this house. Right. Like, you should have been, like, in any of your IATM chats with producers. Did you say, we fucked everywhere? And she could have been like, <laughs> yes, I did say that. It might be on TV. Um so Marissa shows up like Jillian in a bodycon red mini dress. <laughs> He's got a type. Respect. Respect. <laughs> and he tells Marissa that he is conflicted because he just saw Jillian and he's just emotionally distraught from really giving it to her for not loving him enough. <laughs> and at the same time, he's ready to let go of her and to get to know Marissa more, but slowly. And she's like... As slow yeah. as possible. As slow as possible. As slow as possible. That's pretty slow, just Edgar. What, just I don't know. what you want, want to hear from your new partner. <laughs> I would like to move as slow as possible. As slow as possible, but I don't mean physically because we have already had a lot of sex. So simply emotionally. But also he's been writing her love poetry. So I'm like, in what way are you going to move slowly? Um Probably in the way that allows him to also hook up with her. Well, exactly. <laughs> in, in the way that, like, he doesn't have to be monogamous with yeah. her. That's, that was my He's going to take her to parties and be like, this is my friend, Marissa, ladies. He's like, I learned this cool <laughs> trick from my buddy, Hanya. Um, Marissa's thrilled to leave the island with Edgar. They kiss. She's like, he's so patient and so kind. He's just changed me. He's the perfect man. Good luck with that, Marissa. I truly wish you the best. You seem like a nice lady. I'm worried for Marissa. (laughs) She's also, like, 26. Like, she should not be having to deal with this bullshit in her mid-20s. Isn't he 20? Isn't he 23? Yeah. Yeah. Not that that's a huge age difference at all, and if it is, whatever. But emotionally, it seems like he's not really older than 23. Yeah. I, I would not note his age if he did not seem to be still in a quite immature headspace around what love means. And that's it for Edgar, finally. Um, And it's time for Lascelles and Ashley to have their conversation. Now that the consequences 
of his new relationship are approaching. Lascelles is like uh, getting a little nervous, getting a little anxious about <laughs> I got, confronting I got, two, I got two relationships. What do I do? <laughs> One was sort of a few miles away, so it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But now I have to actually talk to her. It's not looking so good for me. And we were together for seven years. Maybe we're still together. It's unclear. I haven't talked to her in a long time, but we see each other on videos. (laughs) Like, I don't know what's going on. He really has a hard time when Ashley becomes like a human woman again. He's like, I preferred when she was a vague idea of a person. Yeah. Turns out she still exists. When Ashley joins Lascelles and Mark at the bonfire, Mark says to her, Ashley, you remember this guy. And she says, do I? Savage. Incredible. Oh, I love her. <laughs> I wish that she had been able to keep this energy throughout, but she's just too kind. And, I know. And too, too open to self-questioning, which is a good quality, but, like, I wish that LaSalle's couldn't get into her head as much as he does during this conversation, because she deserves better. LaSalle speaks first. He tells Ashley that he loves her deeply, but he's so happy she invited him on this journey where he can focus on himself with no distractions. And he like brags that he's cried like 15 times. (laughs) He literally is like, it's been like 15 times. So yeah, it's, listen, it's a big deal. Where's my gold star? I'm waiting for it. (laughs) He tells her that he's been so invested in her that when she feels things, he feels them, but he could never cry because she didn't give him the space. And oh my God, that line made me insane. He's like, try, he's like casually just like, it's actually your fault that I've been emotionally stunted because I am too giving. There's just something very cold about how totally he will blame her for something that is also on him without even seeming to make a big deal out of it. Like, he's just like, well, yeah, obviously it's all your fault because you didn't give me the space. And that's why I've been emotionally miserable and stunted for the last seven years. Of course, moving on. Like, that's not even a big conversation point. It's just obvious to us. It's just like, it speaks to an attitude about her that I really don't like. And then he's like, Trace really helped me. You've probably seen her in a couple bonfire clips. And Ashley's like, all of them. Another incredible line from <laughs> Ashley. Like, the one-liners keep coming. She's like, what do you think I've been seeing? It's just, like, clip after clip of you being like, Ash- uh, uh, Ashley's basically dead to me. Trace, we're getting married. I mean, the clip where he was like, she's in the past. Forget about Ashley. <laughs> that was Ashley an was insane like, is- clip. Uh, she was like, that's what hurt me. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, that's really upsetting. She's like, I'm not in the past. <laughs> I'm alive, and I'm here, and we have not broken up. So... <laughs> That's actually very hurtful. Ashley says that at the beginning of this journey, she was spending a lot of time thinking about LaSalle's, what he was up to. But eventually she realized that she had to like focus on where she was and open up more to the guys. She met Blake. She says that he genuinely cares about her. He's so sweet and so open and he's helped her a lot. And then she says, what really upset me And what I like about this is that she's clearly saying, like, this is not a casual comment about our relationship, me criticizing you. I'm saying, like, here's a specific thing that I'm giving weight to. You hurt me in this specific way. Every single bonfire clip was you disrespecting me. And she starts crying and is like, when you told Trace, forget Ashley, you're the one I want. And the one where you said, I love you to each other. I didn't deserve that. That made me really angry. 
I didn't see growth. I didn't see that you truly love yourself in those clips. I was just lost for words. That's not what love really looks like. Nailed it. Yeah. It's not. It's not. He, like, LaSalle's is just the king of, like, unearned declarations of love. Like, he loves to project into the future, but without a base. So he doesn't actually really have to follow through on the things that he says. And that's a terrible quality. Yeah. And I can already see him in five years being like, Trace, I've never had room for myself in the relationship because I'm constantly having to make myself into the man that you wanted me to be. Because right now he's constantly saying to to Trace, like, I'm I'm gonna make myself into the man you need. And it's like, don't you see how you're setting yourself up to resent her in a few years? Like the way you resent Ashley now? Or he kept being like, oh, like, I don't know if she's gonna reject me. Like, and if if she does, like that's gonna be it. I'm never gonna bounce back from that. So it seems like also if she like puts him on the spot for something, he's gonna like freak out and be like, This is all on you. It's just so dark. At one point she's like, You really hurt me earlier. But with what you said, and he was like, she doesn't see a future with me. And I was like, uh, that's not what she said. Like, actually, people need to be able to give you feedback in a relationship. That's kind of how it works. It's very concerning to me that he's been in a relationship for seven years and, like, doesn't seem to know how to conduct himself in a basic way. He talks about how Ashley stifles him, but it's very clear that he does not accept feedback either, that he, like, doesn't accept the totality of what Ashley might need to express. And he, this is when the open conversation starts, and he's like, well, I didn't mean any disrespect by saying forget Ashley. I just didn't want Trace to keep bringing her up. I just wanted Trace to focus on the two of us. And because you're not relevant, Ashley, come on. And... (laughs) He's He's like, like, I didn't disrespect you. I just genuinely am in love with Trace. How's that disrespect? Like, these men, these men out of fucking control. He's like, I didn't mean to say I love you. I just, I meant it. Where it's so... I think I have to blame Mark a little bit here because I genuinely think that Mark will say things like, this process is all about you. And like, you know, stop worrying about, about your partner. Like... Is, is that a genuine thing you're feeling? These guys all have the impression that as long as they're feeling something genuine and they actually feel it, they can't be disrespecting their partner and how they're expressing Because they think it. their whole mission in coming here was just, like, learn to access basic emotions. Not, like, learn to process them in a healthy way. Learn to regulate them in a way that doesn't do harm to others. No, they're just like, I learned that I can feel. yeah. Well, I feel like the show also has, like, a major uh, flaw, which is that it sets every single, like, every single one of these partnered people up to feel like main, that they are the main character in their life, in in everything. And it's like, they all just have major main character syndrome where they're like, this is about me and my growth. And like, for sure, it is for you. But like, you are in a partnership and it's like, why are you here? And it's like, they're all just there to like, feel better about themselves. And this is not how, like none of this is helping. But you're so right. This show is definitely set. And Mark is setting them up to be like, all right, only focus on you and your needs and your feelings and your pleasure. And that's it. Like, (laughs) it's like, okay. I'm sorry, but it's not an even playing field. Like men are already taught to expect that a partnership will help, will, will be 
sort of subordinated to their feelings of personal satisfaction and success in life. And so we actually see with the women, them going through some real sort of examination of like, have I let myself be treated really badly because I wanted to be a supportive partner? And with the men, it's literally just like, have I not just fucked around as much as I want because I felt some sense of obligation to my partner? That's messed up. Like, I should probably (laughs) just do whatever I want. Like, it's not universal, obviously, because Hanya has been on the opposite journey, though we'll see how that lasts. But I do think that for a lot of these guys, it's like, why are you encouraging them to to value their own just lean desires into more? And utter selfishness. They already value them so much, <laughs> especially when for like Edgar, for example, the entire initial rift in his relationship with Jillian was the fact that he cheated, and like Luke is someone who also is like consistently violating Iris's trust. So it's like. This is the problem with Mark acting as a therapist, but uh, truly being an unlicensed one um, <laughs> and also like a producer on this TV show. He's he's not really tailoring his approach to the individual needs of the clients. I'm still not like, I, I can't get past the fact that his name is Mark Wahlberg. I know. It's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did you come from? Who are you? Why, came, why are you given the He came from Antiques Roadshow. What? Oh, so he's totally qualified to give all these men therapy. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. Yes, literally. It's the the classic antiques he to relationships pipeline. Yeah, he mm-hmm. hosted Antiques Roadshow, and so then he was obviously qualified to host Temptation Island. It's a very natural career progression. <sighs> okay, so you know how sometimes a lot of these dating reality shows like will provide some sort of like psychological resource. Do you think that the folks on this show are getting real help well, from people Hanya involved is, with the, the show? Hanya is because well, yeah, his so girlfriend yeah, is a yeah, therapist. Just Hanya. Um, yeah. Probably not. I, I don't think that that would be conducive to the show being as dramatic as possible. So my assumption is that they're all just confiding in producers and each other and like that's that's all they get. And then once a week, Mark Wahlberg is like, I'm so proud of you that you're learning how to feel that Jillian betrayed you <laughs> by not being Use perfect. that feeling. Use that feeling. Yeah. To crush her in the bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, poor Ash um, starts crying again and is like, I just want to say, I'm sorry I didn't give you the space to be who you are and the strong, independent man you're capable of becoming. Oh, my God. Be- Ashley, no! This made me so upset. Like, she's just falling on the sword. She says, now I see that I kind of took advantage of you in a way where you only focused on me. You never put yourself first. And, like, maybe, like, we didn't see their past seven-year relationship, but what I do very much see from just this show is that Ash is very sweet, doesn't center herself, and Lascelles is very overbearingly always trying to put a woman under his wing. And that kind of, I'm sorry, it seems like it's on him to me from the pattern I'm seeing play out with each of them. Yeah, I think he's someone who derives meaning from being like, I'm the caretaker, I'm taking care of this woman, I'm doing the things that she needs. But then he starts to resent it after a while. And it's true. It's like you see that exact pattern happening so quickly with Trace. And, like, I'm glad he didn't let Ashley put it all on her. He says, you know, it wasn't just you. I could have been better. A little I'm sorry, vague for but me. Like, little yeah, vague. He's like, it was a little bit me. 
But it just, it made me feel really, really bummed out watching this exchange. Like, Ashley is just beside herself. Like, she feels like she is the reason that the relationship has issues. She thinks she's the selfish one. And, like, from what we've seen, that has certainly not been the case. She, she's, like, barely been keyed in to, to Blake. Like, it was very clear the whole time that she was kind of wanting to be with Lascelles still. I totally agree. And it was like, I don't know if you guys saw this, but like, I just felt like Blake was such one of those just like bumbling, like sweet. He was a himbo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, total himbo. And I was just like, good for Ashley for just kind of like hanging out with this like sweet boy who's like all about her. And like, it was so cute, but it was just very obvious that she was just like, you are not somebody who I care about. And uh, you could tell the way she was talking about LaSalle's. She was just like, I just want him back. And it was like, girl, you don't know. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, she she does know. But I think that she hopes so much that it can work out that she's just trying to, like, get through this time and be like, maybe from this thing with Trace, he's going to learn how to be more emotionally open like Blake. And, like, we can both bring our new strengths to a relationship that I still really care about. But LaSalle's isn't growing from being with Trace. He's playing out the same exact pattern. And that's why he can't recognize that it's not just like, I could have been better. It's that he played a really crucial part in creating the dynamic that he and Ashley are both blaming Ashley for. Because he's doing it again. He doesn't see, he doesn't know yet how to identify what he's doing wrong. And I hope that that day comes for him. But at this point, She's like, I don't know whether to follow my heart with this final decision. And LaSalle's is like, you should follow your heart. You have my blessing. I kind of felt like he was saying that, hoping that she would say, I want to leave with Blake. So that he would be off the hook. 100%. 100%. Obviously, that's what he was hoping. He's like, you have my blessing. Leave me here. It's fine. Yeah. And she's like, great. I'd like to leave with you. And you just see a look of sheer terror implant on his face. But it was, like, it reminded me of, like, all of the, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, been in relationships like this where, like, you hear about them where it's just, like, the guy is just, like, waiting for the woman to break up with him so, like, he doesn't have to deal with that or he doesn't have to be the one who, like, breaks, you know, breaks it off, hurts them so he can just be, like, they hurt me, they they were the ones who did it and they can kind of, like, walk away with no guilt and, like, that's exactly what it felt like he was doing. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Absolutely. And we leave... On this cliffhanger, we don't get his decision, but I think that it's pretty clear to me that he's about to break Ashley's heart, and I just feel sick already at how this is going down. These have been already brutal, and we're still, we still have so many bonfires left to go. I don't know if I can handle it. I think it. it's going to be, I think it's going to be way more brutal though if he's like, let's work it out. Oh, let's stay yeah. together. That would be awful. Because it's so, she's going to have to go back and like watch the whole show basically and see like the things that she didn't see in the clips and everything else. And it's just like, I don't know how you come back from that. You know, it's like, no. I hope he, do, I hope he I doesn't do her the disservice of staying with her. For all of these relationships that like a lot of shit has happened since these final bonfires and like, I'm glad that they're going straight into a reunion because I feel like there's probably been some key conversations. Yeah. Do we since. know how long ago this was filmed? Um, Let's see. Um, oh, it wrapped in October 2021. So that was a while like six ago. Six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a long time. Well, a lot could happen. Speaking of a long time, we have been talking for a really long time about this episode. (laughs) So we do need to wrap up. 
So excited for part two of the bonfires. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us for this and for doing so much homework. You really brought a lot of knowledge and insight to this recap. Thank you so much. And can you tell everyone where they can find you and your book? Yes. Okay. So um, you can find me on Instagram at Jessica Goodman. And my next book, The Counselors, which is a young adult murder mystery set at a summer camp. Um, It's about three best friends and a dead body in the lake. So I think it's really fun. Um, And that is going to be out May 31st, available wherever books are sold. Um, Obviously, shout out to indie bookstores and bookshop.org if you want to find a copy there. But um, yeah, that's about it. So thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I really just need to watch the final episodes now and we'll probably be texting both of you voraciously. Yes, please, please do. What the hell the cells is going to (laughs) do? Please do. And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Jessica Goodman. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please follow us, rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about the show especially to anyone you know who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and suggestions for shows you'd like to see us cover in the Bachelor offseason. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and on Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can also find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emily D. Rose. We'll be back on Friday to recap the season finales of The Courtship and Temptation Island. Stitcher. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.